Chapter 18 of The Wild Irishman by Thomas William Hodgson, T. W. H. Crossland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter 18 Potatoes. A gentleman who is universally applauded as a handler of the pencil and a smart after dinner speaker lately remarked that if he were compelled to give up one of two things, to wit, tobacco or Christianity, he would give up Christianity. Then, with a slack-minded man's weakness, he went on to explain that a Christianity which prohibited tobacco would not be Christianity at all. When all things were made, we are told, nothing was made better than tobacco. Without being an anti-tobacconist, without being a non-smoker, without indeed being other than a great blower of the cloud, it is quite reasonable for one to doubt whether, on the whole, tobacco is the blessing that modern man hold it to be. There is no evidence to show that man's intellects have improved since the introduction of smoking. It seems probable that the high watermark of British brains had been reached somewhat prior to the time in which James I had occasion to adorn polite letters with his notorious counterblast. Shakespeare did not smoke. Mitchum shag was nothing to Ben Johnson, nor navy plug to Milton. It is our Barrys, and our J. K. Jeromes, and our F. C. Goulds, who electrify the country with their pipes in their mouths. Now the person who is commonly credited with having introduced the art and practice of tobacco smoking into England is Sir Walter Raleigh. There is a legend that when the gentleman's servant first saw him smoking, he rushed out for a bucket of water in the belief that his master was on fire by a strange coincidence it is the same sir walter raleigh who is commonly credited with having introduced the potato into ireland could sir walter raleigh's servant have perceived what black and fearsome troubles the potatoes in his master's pockets or other receptacle would one day call down upon the irish people it is conceivable that he might have rushed out for something even more drastic than a bucket of water. The potato undoubtedly is an elegant fruit. All men know that with beef, mutton, and flesh meats in general, it is everything that could be desired. As a staple article of food, however, it cannot be considered otherwise than as a flagrant and wicked mistake. In Ireland, the potato has become a staple article of food whole generations of irishmen have battened upon it in good times with the addendum of a little buttermilk or a scrap of bacon in bad times with the addendum of a pinch of salt and as the times in ireland have been immemorially bad times the pinch of salt has been most frequently to the fore in plain times the irish people are a potato-fed people in theory the potato might well have been specially created by providence to fit in with the Irish temperament. The Irish temperament has distinct tendencies in the direction of indolence. The potato, heaven be thanked, is a tuber, which does not demand too great a skill or too great an amount of labor in cultivation. You cut it up, dump it into the ground, and it grows of itself. Also, it is a prolific plant and will make more dead weight to the rude than almost anything else that grows, the which, of course, saves digging. A peasant with a potato patch is believed to be wholly beyond the reach of hunger, and his standard of emolument may conveniently be adjusted for him accordingly. 
he himself is aware that it is out of his potato patch that he and his family have got to subsist and that all the rest is luxury of the most bloated order philosophers can invariably dispense with luxury and the irishman is a philosopher he can afford to sit and watch his potatoes growing as content as any king for not only shall that green plant yield unto him and the childer the staff of life but it shall also furnish for him the wherewithal for the innocent manufacture of puccine which is life itself it is a singular fact though a fact big with meaning that while the irishman has been a potato grower from raleigh's time he has not succeeded in attracting to himself any special reputation as a cultivator in this department nobody sets up the irish potato for a peculiar delicacy jersey cheshire lancashire and parts of yorkshire and lincolnshire have secured for themselves all the glory and honour and profit which is to be got out of potato growing it is said however that the irish can cook a potato against anybody in the world but this is doubtful inasmuch as the dublin potato and for that matter the cork or kilkenny or newry potato is neither better nor worse cooked than the common tuber of cockaine this however is by the way the hard fact is that all over ireland you are brought face to face with a poverty and a desolation which are the palpable outcome of too great a reliance upon a doubtful staple the very physique of the people bears abundant witness to the circumstance that a diet of pure potato is not good for one it induces a ricketedness of build a lankness and a want of tone not to mention a confirmed hungriness of look quite half the people of ireland might pass for persons who had lately been emulating the fasting man or had just been let loose from a severe term of penal servitude it is intolerable that it should be so but there is no getting away from it the irish people are physiologically underfed they may eat to repletion but as even an irish potato consists mainly of starch and water precious little corporeal good is to be got out of it when the body is starved the mind dwindles and languishes a potato-fed man can no more be witty or wise or energetic than a man fed on draught and husks that is why the irish have almost entirely lost the spirits and the volatility and the graces for which they were formerly renowned if you are to make good use of an irishman as of any other man you must ply him with nutriment the potato is not nutriment in anything like a complete sense even that exceedingly popular work the encyclopaedia britannica has no feeling for the potato where the irish are concerned under the head of ireland i find among other things the following sentences introduced by raleigh in sixteen ten the cultivation of this dangerous tuber developed with extraordinary rapidity when petty wrote early in charles the second's reign this demoralizing esculent was already the national food when the precarious exotic failed an awful famine was the result the encyclopaedia britannica also obliges us with the appended information the labor of one man could plant potatoes enough to feed forty potatoes cannot be kept very long but there was no attempt to keep them at all they were left in the ground and dug as required a frost which penetrated deep caused the famine of seventeen thirty nine 
even with the modern system of storing in pits the potato does not last through the summer and the meal months june july and august always brought great hardship between eighteen thirty one and eighteen forty two there were six seasons of dearth approaching in some places to famine in eighteen forty five the population had swelled to eight million two hundred ninety five thousand sixty one the greater part of whom depended on the potato only the greater part of the population of ireland proper that is to say of ireland with northern diamond left out depends upon the potato to this day it is a state of affairs which cannot be too severely deprecated it is a state of affairs which ought in no circumstances to be allowed to continue it is a state of affairs which convinces one only too clearly that ireland has for centuries been governed either by rogues or by blockheads yet the potato like the tourist does not appear hitherto to have been written down for an irish grievance or injustice true the encyclopaedia britannica condemns it as we have seen but it does so rather by innuendo than of set purpose i am not aware that the restriction of potato growing has ever figured as a plank in the platform of the irish party indeed to suggest it would have looked like infamy in the face of the condition of the people but until the irish are taught that the potato is not the first and last thing god made they will remain open to the disasters and the disabilities which too great a dependence upon it have invariably brought about it is lamentable to note the limitations of the irish mind as to what is possible in the matter of food with sixpence your indigenous starving irishman will purchase inevitably a dish of potatoes and as much whisky as can be screwed out of the money when the potatoes have been paid for the beer and bread and cheese or bread and bacon of the english rustic may be reckoned a lucullian feast in comparison and they are at least three times more nourishing to the body if not to the brain and the worst of it is that your proper potato-fed irishman cannot forego his hereditary appetite for the escalant ailment of his country any more than a scotchman can forego oatmeal and offal in the midst of plenty an irishman of the irish will make for potatoes as surely as the needle makes for the north he prefers them to take an instance mr george bernard shaw believes himself to be a vegetarian by free will and out of altruism in point of fact vegetarianism is easy and possible for him because he is an irishman and consequently comes of an ingrained potato-feeding stock however remote his wit and other parts if any are to be accounted for by the circumstance that he has the good sense to supplement his potato flour with pea-meal cocoa butter and other garnishes a few thousand tons of lentils with pepper and salt to taste would do ireland more good than a new land act she has had enough potato and enough land acts to last her for the next hundred years End of chapter eighteen recording by john brandon